0: Today we're talking about how to have courage, even when it's difficult and you're scared, but that is what our guest today, Dr. Margie Worrell is going to be encouraging us with. She's going to give us some practical things that we can do to begin moving forward and having courage in our lives, but also she's going to encourage us on what we can do to start changing our mental state to have more courage. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. If you've ever wanted to know what your attractiveness score is, then I have a free guide that you're going to want to go and download. Now, I'm going to tell you that this isn't going to be like those quizzes or surveys or tests that you see online that are like, how hot are you or how sexy are you? Because I think those end up making people feel worse about themselves at the end than ever before. This free attraction assessment guide that I have created is a no gimmicks, truthful and honest representation of how you can assess yourself and see the areas of attraction that you feel most confident in and the areas of attraction where you need opportunity for growth. It's not going to be done in a way that makes you feel worse about yourself, but is going to give you real tools and tactics that you can begin to implement after you know which areas you should focus a little more on and which ones you're already slaying. You can go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. You'll see the opt-in form in the lower right-hand corner, and it'll be emailed to you immediately. I can't wait to hear about your results and your scores and the way that you decide to make some changes in your life so that you can be the most attractive that you can be. Go and get your free guide at itstartswithattraction.com. Margie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to ask you questions about courage and your book and how to help our audience do things even when they're scared. So thank you for being with me today. It's great being with you, Kimberly. Yes. Well, first of all, so let's get started. I want to ask you this question. What made you want to write books about courage and bravery?
1: Because one, I have struggled with self-doubt so much in my own life. And I have found that the only way that we can overcome those doubts and that inner critic and our fear of failing and looking foolish is by being courageous, by being brave. And secondly, in my work, and I've spent the last 20 years working around the world in coaching and personal and professional development, I've found that it is fear is a huge, huge, huge saboteur for most people in some aspect of their lives. Sometimes it's in their work, sometimes it's in relationships, sometimes it's in money, sometimes it's in health and well being. And, and courage, learning how to master our fears, is therefore absolutely indispensable for living truly a, a meaningful, rewarding, and successful life, however you want to define success
0: agreed, but everything you're saying in in reality, it's hard to do, right? Yeah.
1: Well, look, if it was easy to be brave, we'd all be brave and we wouldn't be settling in jobs, in relationships, in marriages, in situations that suck, or maybe they're just not exciting us or fueling us in any way. And so, yeah, it is hard because as human beings, um, or I like to call us human becomings, because, you know, we're always, none of us have arrived we are wired for safety. We are wired for avoiding failure, rejection, exposure as being inadequate and not for risking that. I mean, we our our wired into our psychological DNA is do not put yourself out there. Do not leave the familiarity of the known. Do not risk rejection. Do not risk failure. Do not risk being alone. And so it's hard. It's like, literally our bodies physically react when mm-hmm. we go to do those things. Like if you've ever gone and had to get up on stage and give a talk or a speech at a wedding or something, you know, we literally our stomachs start just squelching and with that mm-hmm. thought of it because because in our even in our unconscious we're like oh my god you're risking exposure your whole identity may be just decimated if you screw this up and so so we're wired not to do it and it's why a lot of people you know the proverbial comfort zone it's why so many people spend so much of their life living inside it because it is extremely uncomfortable to to leave it
0: mm. What is a story of either from your own life or someone you've worked with of, of a good example of someone doing something courageous?
1: Oh, well, I, I guess I've, I've got a lot I can draw on for myself. Um Where to start? I, I, I should just share in context. So I grew up one of seven kids on a small dairy farm in rural Australia in the Aussie bush. And you know, my, both my parents left home at 16, a school at 16. My dad milked cows for 50 years. Our horizons didn't expend, spend, extend much beyond the back paddock. So for me to even leave that rural area that I grew up in, it was very familiar and comfortable and moved to the city at 18. Um, wow. That was courageous. And then when I was 21, I finished college and uh, saved up my money and then bought a round the world ticket and spent a year backpacking around the world as a 21-year-old. Um, just with some travelers' checks and no mobile phones wow. in those days, and no Facebooks, and no way to be in touch with my parents and all get money because well, they, they, my parents never had any money anyway. But um, but then I I have lived a lot around the world in the last twenty years, and I have four children, and I remember thinking about whether to have my fourth child, and mm. I loved having a big family, but could I possibly? I was terrified of trying to have a fourth child, which inspired me and also pursue a career outside the home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can I do that? Have I got what it takes? How will I do it? And for me, that was an act of courage, is just daring to trust that I would figure it out as I went along. Uh, I didn't have to know exactly how I would manage raising four kids and having a career um, and doing work I loved. And then I think writing my first book was particularly brave. The others have been less so, but just daring to believe that I could write a book when, um, having gone to a tiny school with about 15 kids in it through my early years, I, I never felt like particularly gifted or trained as a writer, but just felt called to write. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: all of those times for me have required courage in one way, shape or form. Um,
0: yeah. Mm, I love that. How would you define courage?
1: I would define courage as our willingness to lay our comfort, our safety and our vulnerability on the line for something that's more important Mm. or our short-term safety and comfort mm-hmm. and vulnerability for something more important um, because at the end of the day, comfort doesn't stay comfortable forever. So you can say, oh, I don't want to lay my comfort on the line. I'm going to stay comfortable, but I can assure you I meet a lot of people. Um, I'm in my early 50s. I meet a lot of people who live very comfortable lives and they they can get to 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 the age that I am now and be really unhappy and uncomfortable and lack confidence in their ability to do things because they've spent so much time only doing what's really safe.
0: Mm-hmm. I was, when you were talking about just your experiences in your life that you've had, the one that sounded most exciting is going and traveling the world for a year, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, that sounds amazing. But the one to me, as you were speaking, that sounded more terrifying was the fourth child. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I can see how that would take courage. So I have two kids of my own right now and of course I work, you know, full-time and I'm trying to juggle a career and that and when the question comes up with me and my husband of is there a third? It's like can we do that? Like are we is it even possible? So there's this fear of we want to, but how in the world do we keep our sanity? Mm. So so and it applies to so many different areas, right? Like I'm scared to do this, even though I want to, all the things mm-hmm. you were saying, the people who, you know, I mean, what are some of the things you see? What are some of the things that you see people are held back most, but they want to do it?
1: Look, um, look in the realm of relationships, sometimes people have conversations they really need to have in their relationships and they're too afraid to have them.
0: Mm-hmm. And of
1: course issues fester over mm-hmm. time and drive big wedges in relationships. So that's a big one I come across all the time. And that can be in the workplace as well, like a conversation with a colleague or with a boss or with a yeah. Um I also see people stay in relationships that aren't making them happy and are unlikely ever to because there's not the same shared value set, uh, but they're too afraid to leave them because they're afraid that they won't find anyone else, that they won't do any better. Um, I've seen people get into relationships because they think this is the best they can do, even when they know that it's not what they want. Um, In work and careers, I see people stay in jobs that are sucking them dry and aren't feeding them at all, but they're afraid of the unknown of changing careers or changing jobs, changing employers, um, going and doing something else that they really want. And so, you know, in so in in so many aspects of our lives, in, in in regard to finances and money, I see people just bury their head in the sand because they don't want to actually look at the reality of where they're at. But of course, often when we don't take action, things don't get better. They things just absolutely. get worse. absolutely. So, so in all of those areas, and and you know, one of the things I have said, Kimberly, I I have run Live Brave weekends uh, for women around the world, and. Have had a lot of women who have shared similar sentiments to you. It's like, oh, will I or not? In terms of having a baby, having first baby, or having second baby, having third yeah. baby. Obviously, not everyone wants to have four children. I get that. You're <laughs> saying, oh yes, you know, bigger is always better. Not, it's, it depends on the personality. However, a key, a key strategy to use that word for helping people to be braver is getting them to play forward their life.
0: Mm. And you
1: just map you just roll 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 the tape forward and it's you 5 years from now and it's you 10 years from now
0: mm. or 15
1: or 20 and how old will you be? And just think about, you know, in 20 years time you will be, you know, I'm making up numbers 30 55, you know whatever. And mm-hmm. you're like, "Okay, and now my kids will be, you know, 22 and 24 or whatever they'll be." Mm-hmm. And and go, "You know what, when I'm that age, do I think I might regret that I didn't have that third child?" Yeah. And for me, that was a huge reason. When I actually did this myself, I had three kids under four and I would move country. I'd moved to the United States just after 9-11. And I had this little inkling that I really wanted a fourth, but I was terrified. And I map, I just played it forward to 10 years later. And I was like, okay, I'm 42 or three or four or whatever. And what a, what's my ideal vision of my life ten years from now
0: mm.
1: and the ideal vision of my life was that I would be doing kind of coaching, working in the empowerment space as a coach or as a speaker as a like, to be honest writing a book hadn't even entered my brain at that stage but but I also what flashed into my, in my head in my, mind's, in my mind's eye was four children and I realized that if I was being truly brave I would have four children, have a fourth child, and yet simultaneously, that thought terrified me. But I also knew that it was fear that would stop me doing it. Yeah. I wouldn't have what it would take, and and so I think we often feel that we have to know exactly how we're going to do everything before we take a step and go. Oh, well, I have to know exactly how I'm going to manage all of that, or I'm going to have to know exactly each step of building that business, or whatever you know, changing yeah. to, to that career path. And I, I say to people that, no, you don't. You don't have to know everything. You can figure that out as you go along, just as I have, as I still do. My kids are older now, but um, it was full on. It was crazy. It was really full on. But I also learned that, you know, sometimes it's the way we go about things that makes it harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so so giving yourself permission not to have the perfect plan, giving yourself permission to start out before you feel like you have all the answers or know exactly what you're going to do a year from now, because a year from now you'll know a whole lot more because you've had a year's experience moving toward that, that vision or that aspiration.
0: The Let's go back to the conversation one, right? So okay. being courageous and, and brave could be having the conversation you keep putting off. Uh-huh. What are some tips or what is some yeah. advice that you give people in just Having the conversation, but also not doing it selfishly.
1: Yeah. So number one, start with heart. Mm, and good. I wrote about I wrote about this. I actually have a book called Brave. Just just the word Brave. And um, I wrote about how do you, how you do that in in Brave, and how do you have those conversations. One, start with heart. Set your highest intention. Why do you feel you need to have this conversation? What is the highest intention you're trying to achieve? And while sometimes pride or ego may have us go, because I want them to know they're an absolute idiot or because I want them to know that they blah, blah, yeah. blah. But actually, right. what's your highest intention? What mm-hmm. is it you're trying to serve that will ultimately also serve them? doesn't mean they'd like to hear it, but that you really believe will ultimately serve not just you but them as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and so, starting starting from that place, just getting your head and your heart in the right space, um, because sometimes we can go in and we're going in in the wrong space. Yeah, and it can come out as vindictive and narky and condescending and righteous and derogatory, and of course, people immediately pick up on that and get defensive, and that doesn't serve any positive outcome. In fact, you can wow. end up just being further in your corners uh, and it can just damage trust and only make it worse. So getting really clear, what's your highest intention? Connect to the better angels of your nature and, and do that. Secondly, just recognising that we all have a story about why things are the way they are. And so just um, just being careful that, check your story and and before you do that. And if you've maybe got a story that's got you as the victim and them as the villain or, you know, you've, you've got a story about how it's just impossible to deal with that person because our stories can often get in the way of things. So just park your story and go in trying to listen and understand their perspective.
0: Yeah. And it, what about the part of just, um, you know, so many times we might have a conversation or we might not have the conversation with someone we want to have it with. Like if my husband had, I mean, just going back to the The kids thing for now. So if I were to assume the worst about him or that we're we're not going to agree about this so therefore I'm just not even going to bring it up and like you said earlier, then it would continue to fester, right? But I'm assuming the outcome. I'm assuming the end of that story. Mm -hmm. So how do you change that? Do you just tell yourself otherwise or do you try and assume the best about them? I mean, what are some ways that you can not assume that the worst is going to happen in the conversation or assume the worst intentions about the other person.
1: Yeah. So just, and that, that, which is the story part, mm-hmm. you know, just going into it to just, you know, you're both in this, you're, you're married, you want to stay married, that's that assumption. You want to have a family life that's harmonious, that's rewarding, that's fulfilling, et cetera. So start with the, where's the common ground here? We both want these things. We both want to have a happy marriage. We both mm-hmm. want to raise great kids. We both want to enjoy quality of life, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. And find a common vision, not only a common ground now, but where you want to go. Like 10 years from now, what's your mm-hmm. idea? And it helps them care about what you want. And then it may be you're like, well, you know, something that just keeps coming up for me is how much I would really love it. And I'm not saying this is the case, but I just keep thinking I would really love to have another child. I really feel like in, in the decades that span out ahead of us in life, that would really just enrich our lives further and enrich our children's lives further too. There's not just two of them there. There's another sibling there. You know, whatever reason, we mm. want to have another child. Um But don't make them wrong for feeling differently. Just share how you're feeling. And if they say, well, I really don't want to, instead of kind of going, well, that's just selfish or you're not supportive of me, like, okay, okay. I just really want to understand what's going on for you. And, and it's very possible there's a deep fear there. that They're terrified they won't be able to provide. <laughs> they're terrified, you know, you've got two healthy kids, what if the next one's not? And unpacking where is fear at play in the decision-making there because fear often is what's going on for people when they're thinking about making these decisions. It's fear uh, of something bad happening that stops us
0: actually moving
1: forward to make something really great happen.
0: That's good. I love, I love that. When I look backwards and think it's so many conversations I've had a lot of times it, it ends up being with my husband. Cause we have lots of conversations, right? Yeah. Um, but there two years ago, my, my husband was a police officer and he, we had just brought, so we have two kiddos. We brought them home from India two years ago. Um, so we had just brought them home and three months later he said, I, I want to quit my job. And I was like, what? (laughs) We are not quitters in this house. Like we, you can't do that. And, and it wasn't even because of money. It was just like, you need, like, this is your job. Why would you do that? Um, But when I look into it, the fear for me was honestly, the fear was what are people going to think? And when I say that out loud now, I'm like, that's such a silly reason for me to Stop my husband because what he was wanting was good. Like he wanted to be home with our kids and me. And that's what mattered to him. He knew he wasn't going to have that. And I was going to let fear stop that. But when I look back now that he's been home for two years, he's been a stay at home dad. It's been an amazing thing for our family, even though it's not the normal Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. that most people have, but it's worked and Mm -hmm. fear could have stopped that from at least hurt our relationship.
1: Yeah. And um, what's interesting there, and thank you for sharing that, Kimberly. What's so interesting there is how much we're wired to care about what other people think Mm. and how often we let what other people think matter so much in our lives, even even dictate our lives. People don't want to do things because they're scared of what other people will think. Mm -hmm. And- and I and when it comes to gender roles, um, I, I did my PhD in in gender and power and leadership, and really, yeah, and our the gender roles in our society around women and our roles and around men and their roles, their caretakers, mm-hmm. their providers, they bring home the bacon, they, you know, so when men step into the traditional female roles of caretaker, being there with the kids. You know they face backlash too. There's a there's the emasculation of men, or there's the judgment, or and it's not just in our minds. I mean, it can happen too. Men can be sidelined and and went uh-huh. by by not sticking conforming to their roles, and that's why I really believe that we will never get to true equality until it is abs- until breadwinning and caretaking are equally valued, uh-huh. until a man can just as easily step into the caretaker role and be on the parent committee and be part of the, right. the class party as, and not be judged negatively for that by women or men as yeah. a woman, um, you know, wanting to, to pursue roles that we think of as more masculine. And so it goes both ways. And I just say I commend your husband and I commend you and uh, that's awesome. I think we need more role models because the more we see people out there doing that, we go, you know what, it just
0: normalises it. Well, it does. And I will say it, I, I'm glad I didn't end up being the woman that perpetuated the problem. Uh, but it did take getting used to, which yeah. is which is crazy to crazy to think about looking back at it now. Um, the, the book that you have, that you've written in the past year, yeah. you've got this. So you've written several books before that. What Uh made you want to write this one?
1: Ah, because I've had a really tumultuous few years and this is before pandemic, you know, (laughs) 2020 rocked up. I've had a really difficult, challenging few years. Um, One, it was a book I wanted to write because I meet a lot of people in my work who I'm constantly saying, you've got this, totally go for it, go for the role say you yes to moving across country or world for the opportunity you know just do it yeah you know, put on the backpack go traveling you know like I've said to my kids you've got this go on um but then I had my plans all derail and ended up being separated from my kids on the other side of the world with mm-hmm. through my husband's work being moving us around and frankly kind of jerking us around in many ways too and um and it was so not part of the vision I had to be. I've just moved here from Singapore last month, actually. <laughs> so I've been living the last few years in Singapore. Wow. Um, before that, I was in Australia, but I had kids back in the US. And so, and then the pandemic happened. I couldn't even see my kids. They couldn't come to me. Singapore closes, border to non citizens, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, but before all of that happened, I've had to go, you know what, even when life totally throws me a curveball and things have been really difficult on a family pers- personal perspective, um, that I've got this, that I can figure it out and that, every, you know, we all of us can rise to our challenges one day at a time, one hour at a time, one moment at a time. And if we really look within ourselves for that certainty that we can't find outside of ourselves, and so often we lean on external things, you know, having a job or um, knowing what the future is going to hold to give us a sense of security. But really, the true sense of security comes from really within ourselves and faith in ourselves. And and for me and for many people, faith in a being greater than myself that, you know what, it's all going to work out even when I can't see how, when I don't know what's coming. Even when I don't know that I've got this, I've, I know I've got this. <laughs> Even when I don't know quite how to handle what's coming next. Um, so I wrote You've Got This because I see so many people living from a place of fear and self-doubt. And it's about learning to trust in yourself more deeply. That's the the subtitle is right. The Life-Changing Power of Trusting Yourself. and 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 I really believe that when we operate from that place, from that mindset of I've got this, even when I'm not sure how um, or what's coming, but I just know that I will meet every moment with grace and grit, that that actually shifts our whole experience of life. And actually the science shows too that when we operate from that place of courage, which is I've got this, it actually allows us to respond more creatively to our problems, we think of solutions. We come up with ideas and ways of dealing with things that we ne- we can't when we're stuck in fear. We're going, oh my god, how am I going to cope? This is just yeah. terrible. What a nightmare! Like when we're in that place, we're not creative. We don't think calmly and clearly. We just in panic. And so, yeah. so I really wrote the book to help people face their lives and live their lives from a place grounded in in trust and in courage and not in doubt and fear.
0: So is it really as simple as change your mindset and change the things you're saying to yourself? Or are there some other things people can do to help them get that courage and believe in themselves and trust themselves more? Look,
1: in one way, yes, it is as simple as that. But of course, it's not as simple as that. We could all just change our mindset I mean, heck, I write books on this and I still have to work at this, right? So, so there's, there are many things we can do to help us build and maintain that mindset because a mindset doesn't just hang around. Mm-hmm. I said before, fear rises up, you know, bam, I could be like, I'm going to live my life completely grounded in faith and being brave and generous and abundant and then tomorrow my husband loses his job and I'm like shit you like it doesn't <laughs> stay or my one of my kids rings up and like they're not in a good place I'm like ah. so so we have to keep investing in that mindset and we have to keep doing things that allow us to keep growing and learning because life just when you think you've mastered one problem it is 150% guaranteed you are going to get another one. Yes. And when you figured that one out, you're going to get another one. And if you've got children, you've got like times that by however many kids you've got of other problems coming. You know, I say that facetiously because let's face it, kids are, kids, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm being facetious, kids are problems. That's just another human being's <laughs> welfare now you have to think about. We right. um, don't control them, you know, how they can control ourselves. So. Right. So just we have to continually invest and that's why, I mean, writing, obviously reading books that nurture you, Mm -hmm. um, engaging in reading any wisdom literature, getting out, taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, things we do to help manage our time better and manage our commitments smarter, Um, emotionally being connected to other people who bring out our best and lift us up and setting some pretty hard boundaries with people who don't. Um, what we consume, the media we consume, obviously Mm. the food we consume, the media we consume, uh, and not getting pulled into conversations with others or with ourselves that just send us on a big downward spiral. And let's face it, it's really easy to do that in in the political context in the United States right now. You have to be so deliberate not to get pulled into the toxicity that's swirling all around us um in our in our media and in our communities and in, in, in the spheres all around us. So we have to be really intentional about going high and about setting boundaries and about focusing on what's within our control and what we can do to make things better versus just to fuel and stoke the divides and the and, and all of those um issues that have caused so much so much tension and so much actually heartache and 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 divides in families too.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Well, a final question that I have for you, and then I want to ask you how our audience can find more about you and your books. What are, what are the things that you try and do on a daily basis to keep you in that positive mindset?
1: Oh yeah. So, um, reading, I say wisdom literature, um, but I've got some sort of daily devotionals, I'll call them that, and I've got two actually, and most days my husband and I will try and read them together in the morning. Ooh. We didn't do this when we had little kids. That was not how our life worked and pre-pandemic, but right now we do. Um, so starting our day with reading that starting um i always like to exercise even Mm. if it's just a brisk walk Mm -hmm. it takes a a pretty extreme temperature for me not to be willing to do that to to get outside this morning it was pretty i'm in an old town alexandria virginia at the moment is where we're going to set up shop set up home and it was cold but i was like you know what just even 20 minutes outside just makes me feel so much better in starting today um Taking some time to get quiet and still is really important and writing in my journal. I don't do that every day, but I do it often. So those, those things are kind of really common staples, rituals, practices in my life. Um, likewise, I, in how I manage my time, I sort of have systems around just mapping out my week and then mapping out my days and time blocking. But, um, but how we start our day often shapes our day. So being really intentional and in starting your day in a way that, sets you up to be on purpose with it and to get into, to really get in that mindset. And then as we go throughout our day, sometimes it's just taking a little bit of time. I'll just take some time out and read something or I'll go and lie in my bed or listen to a meditation just to kind of reset again because it's easy to get pulled off.
0: Yes. Oh, I love it. That is beautiful, Margie. I (laughs) hope that our listeners took notes and that's what they're going to do. They're going to have the morning routine and the sunshine and the brisk walk and and all the things. Um, well, how can our audience find more about you? Where can they get your book and, and follow along to get more courageous?
1: Uh, thank you. Well, yes. If you go to my website, margieworrell.com, I'd love you to sign up for my Live Bravely newsletter. Wow. Um, I'm also on social media, LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So I'd love people to connect there. And, of course, I have a, my own Live Brave podcast. Um, I'm taking a little sabbatical as I've been in the middle of moving countries, but wow. I encourage people to go over to my Live Brave podcast. And I have a whole series I did. Series two is for my book, You've Got This, which, of course, you can buy on Amazon or download and listen to me narrating it on Audible. <laughs>
0: Perfect. I'm loving Audible these days because you can <laughs> pop it in and go for your walk, right? Well, so. you can. Li-
1: yeah, I did. I literally sat there in a studio last January last year and narrated mm-hmm. the whole thing. So
0: <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Margie. I loved our conversation and maybe I hope to have you back on in the future to talk even more about how to be courageous.
1: That would be awesome, Kimberly. Well, you take care?
0: My key Pies takeaway for you from this episode is what is it that you can begin doing to have more courage in your life? What is the change that you need to make that's going to help you realize you are good enough? You are good enough to do the thing you want to do. You are ready to take the next step that you're scared to take. Whatever that is, what is it for you? And what are you going to do to step forward and do the hard thing? I spend so much time on this podcast encouraging you, telling you I believe in you, and I do. But right now I'm calling you to accountability and saying, now what are you going to do about it? There's so many things going on in your life. There's so many things you wish for yourself. Let's begin to make a change. So my one key takeaway for you for today is to decide Something that you want to do for your life, whether it's something new that you want to start doing, a change that you want to make, or something that you want to stop doing. Maybe it's a way how you want to stop being impatient and irritable with your family. Maybe it's about how you want to start doing a morning routine or walking every morning. Maybe it is how you want to change the way that you speak to the people in your life. You want to have a more loving tone. Whatever those are, identify it and make a plan to start making a change. I do believe in you. And I do believe that you can do it. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well.